I've been confronted at times with people who would say, uh, who will say, Pastor Anthony, I don't understand this thing of the gospel because would a loving God send someone to a burning hell? But I realize that the gospel confronts me with my need of a savior. The gospel confronts me with my need to be forgiven of my sin. And then I recognize that Whosoever will means everyone's invited to the party. You see, we have, a, we have a, a statement that is incomplete. When we talk about God, we say, uh, we say that, that, that His love is unconditional. And the reason that we say that His love is unconditional is because the Scripture says, whosoever will may come. He gives an invitation to the feast. He gives an invitation to the party. He gives an invitation to, to the rejoicing and to the celebration. Whosoever will, everybody receives the invitation. But in that invitation, in that invitation, the invitation is conditional. His love is poured out on the earth to everyone, all mankind, whosoever will may come. And then the invitation is conditional. You say, but wait a minute, that doesn't fit with my theology. Well, you're going to have to work on that. Because he said, whosoever will may come. But there's only one way. His name is Jesus. Come and humble yourself before the King of kings and Lord of lords. That one who humbled himself and came and set aside his, uh, his, his deity and became the Son of Man. I want to read you a couple of scriptures. I didn't write them myself. I just printed them out. Luke 1 and 32 says, He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give to him the throne of his father David. I assure you, he is king. You as an American uh, with a Western understanding of democracy, uh, you have not been uh, exposed to, other than perhaps in some academic experiences, uh, the reality of what it means to have a king. But the scripture tells us that he is king. And that we are his subjects, quite bluntly. When the angel spoke to uh, Mary, he said, uh, he said to her, The Holy Ghost will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, that holy thing shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. That tells us that he was deity. He is God. He was God. And he shall always be God. The entire time that he was on the earth, he was the son of God. He was deity. He was king of kings and lord of lords. But the scripture teaches us that because he loved us, he took all of that power and that authority and that right uh, of rulership 
and that kingship and, uh, and all that made him who he was as God. And he took it and he set it aside so that he could be called the Son of Man. Matthew, Jesus refers to himself in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 11. He says, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. He did not say the Son of God. He referred to his birth in human form. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He set aside that deity. He set aside his, his, uh, uh, the fact that he was God. Did not tap into or take advantage of that power and that authority at any time on the earth. He lived as you and I lived. The scripture says, tempted just as we are, yet he did not sin. Again in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28, it says, Even as the Son of Man came, not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Not only did he come as the Son of Man, but he humbled himself as a servant. Came to serve for the good of our redemption. And Chris was sharing the song with you a few minutes ago, and she was introducing her song. She said, uh, made reference to the, the fact that he said, I have another flock, and he was talking about the Gentiles, and she, she said, that's who we are. And I thought, unless you're Jewish. But he came to take us, his chosen people, the Jewish race, and the rest of the Gentile nations, and blend us together as the family of God. One Father, one King, one Lord. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Not the Son of God, the Son of Man. So he was fully man setting aside every ability that he had as God, he became just like us so that he could look you in the face and say, I know exactly how you feel. And you can say, well, my heart is broken and everything has gone wrong and my life hasn't turned out like I'd hoped that it would. And he can honestly say to you, I know exactly how you feel. You can say, I'm so disappointed that this happened or that that happened or that this didn't go right or that that didn't go right. And he can say to you, I know exactly how you feel. You can say, but, but how does he understand that, that I've stood before the grave of my loved ones and I've grieved the loss of, of my loved ones and I've, I, I've stood there in those moments of emptiness. Does he know how I feel? And I think as I look in Scripture, there's a point where... Uh, where he, uh, where Mary's husband Joseph is no longer mentioned again. The scripture doesn't explain, but it's very clear. 
But Joseph's time in the earth ended, and at some point, Jesus stood before the grave of the man who had raised him and taught him everything he knew about being a carpenter and everything he knew about his trade and spoken into his life and directed him as a child. And he stood over the grave of that man as God, with the ability he could have went back and fixed that situation, but he knew it was not his assignment to do so. And he stood there with grief and loss, just like you and I feel because he had to experience grief and loss. You say, well, how could he understand? Uh, I I was a a child and and, uh, born into a situation, and mom and dad, things didn't work out for them, and here's mom, and I've got this other dad, and and I don't know that he cares about me the same as as my dad would have, but for some reason, I don't understand all that. And we find out when we read Scripture that Jesus was from a blended family. Because Joseph, according to our culture, was stepdaddy. He knows how you feel. He knows the brokenness that life will throw at us. He knows the difficulties that we face. He knew what it was like to have plenty and abound. And he and his family knew what it was to have seasons of difficulty and lack, challenge. He came, set aside the fact that he was God, and lived as you and I live so that he could look you in the face today and say, I know exactly how you feel. Scripture says he was tempted in all points just like we are. Yet, he didn't sin. He became that perfect, spotless sacrifice. Scripture refers to him as the lamb that was slain. And the Bible says that the lamb was slain from the foundations of the earth. And what that means is simply this, that whenever uh, God in his wisdom understood that we, uh, through Adam and Eve, were not going to be successful in, in obtaining righteousness by behavior. Hallelujah. That God decided immediately that an atonement would be made. But the scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Sin cannot be forgiven without the shedding of blood. And so Jesus said, I'll take care of that. I'll be that lamb. I'll be that sacrifice. I'll make the way where there seems to be no way. But I assure you that even though he came as a child and he was brought into the earth and in humble circumstances. The scripture says he came to his own there as a Jewish man in a Jewish nation. He came to his own. His own did not receive him because they were expecting Messiah to come in pomp and circumstance and sit up on the throne and throw out the Romans and take care of business. So he didn't come in the way that they expected him. So they could not receive it. But I'm here to tell you that he will not come to you the way that you expect. But he comes. And he gives you an invitation 
And he says, I'm going to throw a party and I invite you to the party. But the condition of the party is that you receive me as your Savior, that you receive me as your Lord, and that you walk with me and commit your way to me, and that you become the living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, that you come and you live your life and let me live my life through you. It confronts us of our need of sin. It confronts us of our need of a Savior. And I challenge you this morning that you you may sit and you may look at all of this uh, issue around the gospel and you may say, well, heaven, hell, good choice, bad choice. That's not all good news. It's good news if you choose wisely. It's good news when we make the right choice. There's a story in, it, it, that, that was Jesus told in the New Testament about the prodigal son, and he was a son who grew up in a, a lavish environment where his father was a very successful man, and he just had everything that he could ever imagine. And one day he wakes up and he says, you know what, I think I want my stuff now. Daddy, I don't want to wait till you die. Just give me what's mine now, and, and I, I want to get out of here. Tired of living under your thumb. And you know what? Father said, here you go. Take what's yours. Because living with me has conditions. Living here in the blessing of this house requires that you live according to the conditions of the house. It takes you right back to the discussion of conditional, or love being conditional or unconditional. And so the father released the son to go and he did not chase him down. Mom is in the house. No, don't let him go. Don't let him go. Please convince him to stay. And the father said, here's your stuff. You receive your inheritance. You're released to go. And he went of his own choice and lived, the scripture says, in riotous living. He went to his own party. And then whenever it was all gone, as a result of his own decisions, he ended up in a place feeding pigs. He had never experienced anything like that in his life. The discovery for me was that the father did not come to the pig pen and invite him home. The father told him when he left, the light is always on, the door is always open, you are part of this family, you do not have to do this, you do not need to be separate from us. But I also will not stop you from making your own decision. That's the message of the gospel. You're welcome to the party. You're welcome to the celebration. But the good news of the gospel is also, I will not stop you if you decide not to come. I won't keep you from departing from the covering of my house. You get the joy of choosing. But the reality of it is, the scripture said of Jesus, prophetically in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, 
and the government shall be upon his shoulders. What Isaiah was saying, and he will rule. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. So what Isaiah was prophesying was that when he comes and when he goes through all of the assignment that he has here in the earth and he's taken to the cross and he's crucified and he is dead and then resurrected and then he spends those days with his disciples and he ascends and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. The moment that he is seated upon that throne, that kingdom will never end. He will sit upon that throne forever. And the Bible says that the time will come that the kings of the earth will come and bow down to him and pay homage to him. The kings and rulers of the earth. If the United States is still in existence in that day, our president, our senators, our representatives will go to the throne of Jesus Christ and bow their knees. And the leaders of every nation in the earth will also do that. Because his kingdom will never end. But the reality of it is that you and I have a choice today to be part of that kingdom. From the time that we're born in the earth until the time that they put us in a box and carry us out of here. You have a decision time. I have a decision time. That decision uh, opportunity only comes around in this lifetime. Scripture indicates to us that we have this opportunity to make this decision. Whosoever will may come. You have your invitation. Welcome to the party. But the reality of it is, if you choose not to attend, we're having a little wedding ceremony here in a few weeks, and a couple here at the church is getting married, and the invitations are out, and everyone's invited to come. But if they do not respond to that invitation, the wedding will happen anyway. If you choose not to come, the party goes on. That's Kingdom truth. So there is this celebration. There's a celebration that takes place in heaven when you say yes. The word says that that when you say yes, when you come to Jesus, there's a party in heaven. There's a celebration that takes place. I mean, they just stop everything. They start blowing the, the horns and whacking the cymbals and banging the drums and dancing in the streets. And then when we arrive in eternity, we're invited to that celebration. But the truth of the gospel is that whether you choose to accept the invitation and come, or whether you choose not to, 
we are going to throw a party that God is hosting. We are invited to the banquet table. The word says that that first party is a thousand years long. And that in his presence, because the Lamb of God is the light, that there's no night. We're going to party for a thousand years with no night. You're invited to the party. You're invited, but you get to choose. The beauty of that and the reason that the gospel is so powerful on that issue is this, that God created a race of people and he said, come and follow me if you would like to. But I'm not going to force you to. Come and walk with me if you love me. If you you can see that I've given my life to you and that I've poured myself out for you, and if you can respond to that and reciprocate and come and say, Lord, I love you, I see that you have have, uh, made the way for my sin to be forgiven and you've invited me in, I'm accepting the invitation. But God in his great wisdom did not want a single individual in the earth to follow him by force. I am compelled to walk with Jesus because I love him with all of my heart. It is his love that compels me to follow him. It is love that compels me to be a living sacrifice. It is his his love that compels me to invest in the lives of others for the sake of the kingdom of God. It is his love that causes me to stand in front of you today and, and to share the good news of the gospel with you. It is because of love. Not that we loved him, but that he first loved us. And gave himself for us. So I challenge you that the king has come. And that your prayer. And that the cry of your heart today. Ought to be take me to the king. You've come through the doors of this house today and there is an invitation and we have the knowledge and the understanding and the ability to take you to the king. We have come as ambassadors in the kingdom of God and people of God in the earth for this, with this simple uh, assignment to say, yes, I can take you to the king. I can take you to his feet. I can show you how to walk with him. I can show you how much he loves you. I can show you that he does not cast you away. And I can show you that just like the father was to the prodigal son when he came back and he says, hey, I I got smart one day and realized there's plenty in daddy's house. And daddy said, come on in. Let's throw that party now. We can take you to the king. We can take you to his feet. We can show you how to speak with him and how to hear from him. He compels you to come because he loves you. Not because he wants to force you to walk in his way. You don't have to. You get to. Let's stand together.
The prayer teams are coming. These, these people are assigned today to meet with you. If you are in this room this morning, when I pray in a few minutes, I want to challenge you that if you're standing here and you've seen the presentation of the gospel today and you've heard the worship and the songs that have been sung and you've experienced the presence of the Lord Jesus today, I I challenge you that you would not leave this room until you come and you stand in front of one of these lovely couples that are up here today to receive you and you say to them, I want you to take me to the King. And they'll show you how to meet the king. You have audience with the king today. If you're here this morning and you're facing a challenge in your life and you're facing some difficulties, maybe it's an un- a difficult or an uneasy time in your life, maybe there's some unknown things out there regarding employment or income or finances or relationships and all of those things, the king wants to have a talk with you about all of that. Would you let them take you to the king? Even if you've known Jesus for years, there's something that you're facing that you can't seem to get over a a spot of trouble or a place of difficulty. The body of Christ is here today to take you to the king. That you might receive his blessing and his anointing and his love his encouragement, and his strength. So I'm going to pray with you. I'd like the church to pray along with me as we pray for one another. Father, I pray for this gathering of people today. I pray that hearts are open in your presence right now. I pray that people are hungry to come to the King of kings and Lord of lords to stand before the throne of God to have conversation and audience with our loving Father who just happens to be the King of kings. I pray that no one is able to leave this room without the confrontation of the gospel. I pray that if there are those here who are cold in their relationship with you, who who life has gotten uh, them to a place of weariness, I pray that in these moments that there is a confrontation with your presence in this moment that challenges them. Press on, children of God, press on. Come and walk with me. Come and know me. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, just move about the room right now and touch lives. Move about the room right now and encourage people. Move about the room right now and strengthen the weak. Move about the room right now and bless. His name is Jesus. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Would you join the party? Would you accept the invitation? Would you join us in this great adventure? walking with God and with one another. We challenge you to do that this morning.